0: Welcome to our summer series of Happy Startup School podcasts. For this limited edition, we are shining a spotlight on the speakers and workshop leaders who will be at our summer camp in September. In this episode, we have Mac McCartney. He is an international speaker, writer, and change maker. Mac has had the unique experience of being mentored by a group of Indigenous elders for over 20 years this experience has greatly informed much of what he has done and continues to do today. I've truly enjoyed this conversation. We talk about what it means to be a warrior of the open heart. He also shares some of the things he's learned from indigenous peoples, as well as what it means to take courageous action in these times. I'm your host, Katrina Tan. I'm a video and design creative based in Rome, Italy, and it's my absolute joy and privilege to be Doing this, on behalf of Lawrence and Carlos, who I met in the mountains of France while attending their aptitude retreat, they thought they had terrible podcast voices, so I stepped in. Well, the Happy Startup School, which they founded, is a community of like-minded entrepreneurs and change-makers who believe there's more to work than money. This community is passionate about making a positive impact in the world without sacrificing what's important to them. The summer camp is an annual gathering for the community to reconnect and re-inspire each other. Check it out at happystartupsummer.camp. Now back to our conversation with Mac. Hello, Mac. So happy to have you as our guest.
1: I'm very pleased to be here and have this conversation with you, Katrina.
0: One of the things that stood out for me while watching your TED talk was how you boldly ask people, not to be embarrassed to speak about what they love and of what brings tears to their eyes. And then you end it by inviting them to become warriors of the open heart. Could you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that?
1: You know, it seems to me somehow over time, we have become encouraged to compartmentalize ourselves. And so we bring forward our thoughts or our ideas, but without the emotion that accompanies them, if you like, we bring our heads, but we don 't bring our hearts. the developed world we 've become embarrassed at at our emotions and have somehow um, subdued them or speak about them in rather disrespectful terms, and yet it is our feelings, our emotions. And and actually our dreaming and imagination, which brings meaning and joy and enlivens and energizes everything. So uh, even when when I'm writing, for instance, I will often go out walking in nature and I will allow the... The um, elements and all of the stimulus that comes from the natural world and the beauty that I see and the and the all of these things will activate my thinking will activate my me. I think it's really a story which is about bringing all of ourselves not just part of ourselves and taking the risk of being fully alive and fully human not just let's say the clever, carefully prepared cultured part of ourselves. It's like bringing the cultivated part of ourselves alongside the wild wild part of ourselves and and, and I think a reason why we why we're sometimes a little unwilling to do it is that actually it be, what's going to come out of our mouths or what how we will, in some way, engage becomes a little less predictable. For instance, there is the risk that we uh, that we may suddenly find ourselves a bit tearful, or that we might find our voices moving past the carefully modulated tones of rehearsal into something a little more um, impatient or emotion filled. But we have to take this risk. I feel because it's um, I believe that we become much more convincing people trust us everything becomes somehow infused with life the moment that we take the risk of allowing ourselves to speak not only from our heads but from our hearts from our bellies from the depth of of who we are
0: i love it and in a way you're suggesting that to open up your heart it does take a whole lot of courage
1: yes yes and, you know, when we use the words uh, warrior of the open heart, the warrior, uh, de- you know, is a uh, disciplined, courageous, has probably put many years of training and investment in their warriorship. It demands skill, all of those things, but then combined with the open heart, it, it then completes the picture doesn't it it gives a much more rounded picture it also introduces generosity kindness compassion a dignity true authority all of these things become wrapped into our notion of the warrior of the open heart and i think in that sense i hope very much it's much more inclusive because a warrior of the open heart doesn't have to stand six and a half feet tall and you know, and all the rest of it. The warrior of the open heart could be six years old. I love it. Yeah, deeply impressive as a human being or very frail and um, close to the end of their life. Uh, it, it's enormously inclusive and um, welcoming of people from all sectors of society, irrespective of their background, uh, privileges or disadvantages.
0: Thank you. I love this description that you have. Maybe you can give us a little background into what you do, because based on the material that I've looked at on your website and also some of your talks, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of reference to indigenous wisdom. And maybe you can tap a little bit into that part of your background, as well as the work that you do now that brings these elements together
1: yes uh, very happy to you know I don't think uh, anything that I've ever done in my lifetime is one could really describe in terms of a well-planned career it's <laughs> it was much more um, feeling deep within me that the work I was meant to do uh, was somewhere out there but I couldn't really see it so I through I won't go into the whole story but But through a very peculiar incident, I started working in the coaching of leadership. And it was a chance uh, encounter, a chance situation that occurred. And I had to jump in and get involved in facilitating a rather combustible and angry interchange between two people who happened to be corporate executives and overnight became a leadership development coach. Wow. Simultaneously, I was on my own personal journey towards trying to find a home for what I would call the longing in my heart for some kind of spiritual context, some kind of spiritual pathway that could include the person that I was. I'm talking now around the late 1970s, early 80s, and as I asked the question, I said, well, what, are the, what do I really love? What does speak to me spiritually? And, I, and out of that came um, forests and rivers and mountains and all of those things which have to do with with nature. It's spring returning every year and autumn following it. It's the summer rain and, and all of these things. They, they really move me, touch me. It's earth. It's... Uh, a gathering of friends or family, sharing a meal that everybody's contributed to, and these things I call I feel are deeply spiritual, but have been sidelined or lost as we've progressed as a species around this earth. And indigenous people have been holding on to this for several centuries now, while the other half of the world has just gone racing off in a very different direction so there was there is an archaic aspect to me i feel that has been resonating since i was very young and i felt it was time to answer that call so i i began searching for indigenous people who could teach me about those aspects of myself that i felt were calling out for attention and that would help me find uh, my own way home to feeling like I truly belonged on this earth and could celebrate the whole person that I am. In those days, um, it's not like now, you know, whether we have many, many people going off to South America and engaging the Aboriginal um, peoples of Australia and all kinds of different... the, The only indigenous people that I was aware of and could find any information about were Native American. And I, therefore, I set off in that direction. And I went down loads of cul-de-sacs, um, different avenues I pursued uh, didn't really take me anywhere, but eventually they did. And I met with these people and then I learnt with them over a period of 20 years. I feel like that's, that's our tap route. You know, it was one of those indigenous elders once said to me, All these freedoms which you enjoy in your society, Mac, the fact that you can go to sleep at night uh, with it being highly unlikely that anybody is going to stove in your front door, come crashing through, drag you out into the night and you disappear into some cell somewhere and die screaming in in some forgotten corner of our earth. You know, you—it it is highly unlikely that most people in your country will go to bed thirsty and there are people that go to bed hungry but the but the percentage is far less than most parts of the world and political freedoms um, employment rights all these things they said were earned by men and women in the past who bravely stood and fought for those rights So you owe a great deal to these people. And one of the things of which we really have no concept in our current society really is, or very little, is the shoulders upon whom we stand. The first people who spoke to me about Britain as it was when we were still an indigenous people, until recently, actually, very obscured history prior to the roman invasion here in britain uh, which exists in many other parts of the world as well and how exciting it was for me to begin to educate myself and and be educated about who we were several thousand years ago and how many of the things that were being taught to me in the 1980s and 90s were probably being taught here in this land where I was born a few thousand years ago. So it's about like reconnecting a storyline that were broken and severed and finding in some way a greater sense of of connection, a greater sense of responsibility, a greater sense of self-respect in some ways. I suppose, just learning about my history, almost as simple as that, and and feeling, it's hard for me to express, but anyway, feeling connected in a way that I longed to feel connected. So perhaps if I, there's one time when one of these elders said to me something, went along the lines of, until the day comes that the people of your country, once again, Go to the mountains, to the forests, to the places of beauty, to pray, to connect, and to remember who they are. We will always be frightened of you. For for your, your people see with dead eyes. Everything you look at is only seen as a resource as to how it might meet your needs or your greed. It is not seen as your family. You do not see it as other living entities and beings that have a right to exist equal to your own. And they said when any species, any creature begins to believe that everything else, nothing has value except your own species, that everything becomes dead to you and you become highly dangerous and toxic to the living community that occupies our earth so th- this this really resonated with me and that's why i believe that indigenous people carry a storyline that it is vitally important that we receive and i think in that way we will find our way back to a greater depth and under- understanding of what humanity really means.
0: That's so beautiful, Mac. I'm from the Philippines, and there are still several tribes that try to keep alive these stories, these myths, these teachings from our ancestors. And so I feel deep resonance to what you are, you have just shared right now. In my mind, I feel there is a missing reverence to... Yes. And I'm. Re- That's
1: it, Katrina. Yeah.
0: Yes. And I'm so glad that you are somebody who works a lot with corporate peoples, people who might seem really disconnected from that natural world, from that reverence. Mm. It gives me so much consolation that you are bringing forth this connection, this remembrance, which is so needed, and this dimension of connection and purpose which i feel that it's not just a a hashtag that people say oh have a purpose but it's actually feeling deeply rooted and deeply significant and it's not about being proud of yourself it's about truly being a, a part of the the world the planet yes
1: that's it and i think we'll find our way to to much more generous society a much more inclusive compassionate kind society and when we i mean that word yes absolutely when we you see the, the the curious thing is that when people come towards the end of their lives if they if they happen to be in a situation where they know that it's coming to an end soon then all these things which we have previously described in such demeaning terms like rain or um, uh, Clouds moving across the sky, you know, or Just all these simple small things which fill our eyes and hearts over a lifetime become of enormously significant and Of the people that have come to the place that I live and set up here at Embercum, who have Uh, have recently received the news that they're going to lose their lives soon the only things that they want to talk about are all these ordinary things which we tend to discount in our lives so this is this is beautiful places in nature these are those ordinary little moments when we with family or friends it's tending our gardens it's the it's the sitting out in a cafe in a street where, they, where you're feeling happy and engaged. It's it's the sunrise or the sunset that moves. and So it's this and this has everything to do with it. I think it's the eyes we see through. And when we begin to realize the privilege that we have to live for a little while on this extraordinarily beautiful planet and and you know you mentioned the Philippines Katrina. You know I mean I've never been there but how wonderful to go mm. and visit the Philippines and experience Filipino culture and the fact that they do things differently rather than this awful homogenized world, you know, where, where we where we somehow export one nation or a small collection of nations view about what civilization should look like. How much more rich and varied that we have different climates and all these lovely things, but we, we don't as you said, we don't we don't then sit somehow thinking ourselves wherever we are to be better. We, we think of it more in terms of family, of what a joy it is to go somewhere else and experience another dimension or aspect or understanding of customs and things. I mean, I, I just find that, that's like going to different restaurants, isn't it? And <laughs> yes. Having, having a feast in different places. And, you know, do we really want one restaurant where... The same food is sold everywhere. I imagine not. I imagine we want to be able to go to a whole variety, a different palate.
0: I love this conversation. And I, I wanted to ask you about the talk that you're going to be presenting. It's called Taking Courageous Action. I'm curious about what you mean by that and why it's important.
1: I have, along with my Um, colleagues we've come to the sort of I think um, a hypothesis really Uh, I think it's a realization but the greatest danger that we face at these times we don't tend to think in terms of uh, uh, climate change or um, population growth or whatever but we describe it in terms of the passivity of ordinary good people who stand as onlookers, observing, perhaps sympathizing, but actually doing very little. So this is courageous action and taking courageous action. I think we are being invited all around the world right now to participate, to step in, whether or not the waves are lapping on our shores, you know, not to wait for the calamity that's um, taking place in uh, Houston, and Louisiana right now, before we reach out to help each other or to, to recalibrate uh, how we define success or to create businesses that we could say are positive forces of transformation on our earth. Not to wait for the crisis because the crisis is with us now, And it's happening in different places all around our Earth. So it's this, it's a call to action, I suppose, but it's a call to action on lines of stepping forward as warriors of the open heart. It's it's saying whoever you are in whatever circumstances you happen to live, whether you consider yourself to be privileged and affluent, or whether you consider yourself to be, at the opposite end of the scale, there is always the choice to, as to what kind of human being you choose to be and, and how you choose to share your gifts and what you can offer. And, uh, and the lovely thing about this is, that what I think, is when we begin to behave and operate and see the world in this way, we get the very thing that everybody says they want, which is happiness. <laughs> you know? And we have become so distorted in this idea of happiness because we, uh, and even, even those of us who know that it's stupid, we can't help ourselves. We go on trying to accumulate a better house, a better car, you know, better partner or whatever it happens to be. Um, but none of it really amounts to very much. It's the changing of the mindset to saying, I am here with gifts to give and I share them generously and creatively and courageously. And and I wouldn't be at all surprised if I can just use that in, in spite of the appalling, you know, the, the, the terrible trauma inflicted on people in all kinds of different um, circumstances around our world. It's in those sorts of times that we very often find out we are t- moved and touched by how people step up to challenge. So I feel we are being challenged. My talk will be basically around um, stepping to that challenge, but not as a martyr, not believing that somehow it's going to cost you anything, but actually that it will probably be the very thing that brings you everything that you are, that your heart desires.
0: Oh. Thank you so much, Mac, for this conversation. And I bless you. I wish you everything possible for all of your efforts, truly.
1: Thank you, Katrina.
0: I hope this conversation has inspired you as much as it has inspired me. Sign up at happystartupsummer.camp for those last few tickets if you don't have it already. Well, it's going to be unlike anything you've been to before, I guarantee Thank you again for listening. And if you've been following the series so far, and if you've been enjoying it, I invite you to please rate and send us a review over at iTunes. Just type in Happy Startup School and you'll find us over there. It will help other people like you find us. And so that we can, you know, spread all the good vibes. That's great, right? Anyway, I'm your host, Katrina. Tan, signing off. Stay awesome. Stay curious. Stay happy.